What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Highlight of Business Podcast for Business People. And today I'm joined and sharing the highlight with a, a, a business legend, to be honest with you. This guy, he spent 50,000 hours over the last two decades solving people problems. And I'm, I'm beyond excited to have this conversation. He's been a longtime mentor of mine, and I got lucky enough to work work with him at Ramsey for a little while. So today I've got my new friend slash former uh, leader boss. I don't know how we put, you were kind of in a different chain, but you were on the board. So you were up there. Uh, Jack Galloway is joining me today. Jack, how you doing, man? Chandler, it's great, man. I'm doing fantastic. Having an awesome summer and uh, glad to be hanging out with you today. Well, I got to tell you, we talked about it a little bit just before we got on here, but retirement is agreeing with you and you're a legend because you didn't actually retire. You're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to work for myself, which is obviously not easier or less, but you're like, you're taking everything you learned there at Ramsey and now you're bringing it out to the, uh, to the, to the new people. Right. So you were the SEVP at Ramsey for a long time and your, your role there was to grow the business. So take a couple minutes for the people that don't know you and just sort of unpack a little bit of what you did there. Well, I started working with Dave Ramsey when I was in my late twenties in uh, the summer of 2000. There were about 18 of us there. And uh, it was a fun time. It was a startup. I was a big fan of Dave Ramsey, still am, and uh, had been listening to him daily for uh, about eight years before we started working together, almost since the beginning of him being on the air. And so I couldn't believe I got to work with him. It was an awesome time. Things were kind of desperate. We were trying to make money on Monday to make payroll on Friday. We were a cash company and uh, everybody was in sales, no matter what their job was. And so I spent the next 22 years with Dave and grew with the business, started the Endorse Local Provider Program there. And then in 2012, when our board formed, I became one of the original board members and, uh, and spent the rest of my time there as a board member and overseeing five of our businesses there. Loved it. Um, spent my time working with leaders in the business while they grew the business and then spent the last couple of years as our chief people officer uh, as we approached a thousand people to have a board member full-time in HR, uh, making sure we were doing a good job in HR, good job hiring, good job uh, leading people while they're there. And, uh, and then I left about a year ago. Yep. And uh, I'm glad you called out how many people work there because um, I don't think a lot of people know. You know, they obviously know the show and they know Dave and they've they've seen him on stage and maybe at your church or something like that. But the guy has a thousand plus employees at this point, two major buildings plus a third. Now they just finished, and you know, it's a it's a it's a large company that is a bunch of leaders inside the organization. So we're talking to one of the guys that was helping build those future leaders, and um, I'd love to know, like, you know. Over that time, what were some of the things that stood out to you with from a I'm trying to think how to frame this question. So to be transparent with you, uh, I, I love hearing that story. And I love that you were so close, like how I got introduced to the organization was I owned a barbecue restaurant back in the day. And so I came through the Entree Leadership Channel. And that's where the team was that I worked on was on the Entree Leadership Team. Right. And so one of the things that I got stuck at with the first business I ran was a barbecue restaurant is I couldn't figure out how to lead leaders. You know, we got to about the million dollar revenue mark and all of a sudden I needed other leaders on the team to run the restaurant while I was looking for new locations or doing marketing or something else. And I just could never figure that out. So can you give me just a couple like 
things that you would, you would, what advice would you give to a new leader that's now leading leaders and not leading a specialist per se, like somebody that's doing the job? You know, it's not an easy transition. Uh, when we start out and we are what I would call producers, we're in sales, we're in uh, frontline marketing, we're actually doing the work and delivering the goods. There's a lot of satisfaction that comes with being in that position and moving from being the guy that personally takes the ball over the goal line to being the guy who's coaching that guy or girl uh, is not an easy transition. And so it's a really different role. And your success with people really makes or breaks you at that point. Your ability to lead leaders, not to micromanage them, not to give them too much rope too soon, to deal with non-fatal failures, to, to coach them, to, to mentor them, to be honest with them, direct with them when they're not doing the right job, dealing with underperformance. All of a sudden, as leaders, we are just really hit with a lot of what feel like complex people problems. And if we don't either have some natural ability or get some help when it comes to leading people, our ability to lead a business is really capped at our ability to lead people well. Yeah, and I would imagine that starts with hiring the right people to begin with, right? So how do you make sure you're hiring the right people? Because I swear, everybody, it's almost like a stereotype at this point. <laughs> Nobody wants to work. Everybody sucks at the job and everybody that comes in sucks. And it's always this woe is me nonsense. It feels like it's a lot of doom and gloom out here when it comes to hiring, Jack. And so you you found a lot of really good people to fill your seat in your 22 years. And now you're helping other businesses do that as well. So how do you go about hiring the right people? You know, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said what you're hiring is the right person, not necessarily the right resume, not necessarily that they've done all the things you need them to do. But I just, I one, I spent a lot of time with people in the hiring process. I kind of got made fun of for spending literally sometimes hours at a time, especially when the business is young and every hire is a really critical core decision in the business and in the payroll, I would spend a lot of time with a person and making sure they were a good fit and I was a good fit and the compensation was a good fit and all those things. Um, but really, I would say for me, more than any other leader I knew, I really hired what I felt like was the right person, even if, and often this was true, they weren't quite ready for the job I was hiring them for. I would hire a lot of people who had the right ingredients. They had the right attitude. They had the right grit, the right character. And they had about 60% of the right experience. But that's about it. And a lot of times that person would not get hired by a leader because they didn't have the experience. But if they had 90% of the experience, they'd already be doing it. We need to hire them early and lead them the rest of the way. But if I could find the right person, and they weren't quite ready. I could coach them the rest of the way. And then if I had really hired the right person, one of these days they would actually even pass me in the skills that I hired them to do. And that's when you know you hired the right person is when you see them take flight and really become a pro in their giftings. And that's another thing as a leader that is not easy at first is to see someone you hired actually become better than you at something you hired them to do. Mm -hmm. But that's really our goal as leaders. Yeah, I can imagine that being really tough for the specialists, like you mentioned just a minute ago, that are like, let's go with the sales example. Like you're the A plus A1 rockstar sales guy. And all of a sudden you've given this opportunity to lead the team. And, you know, 
it, it, now you got to train that person to do what you did, but better. It's the, uh, Michael Jordan analogy, right? Michael Jordan is probably the greatest of all time when it comes to actual basketball player, but ownership of the Charlotte Bobcats, I, I you know, terrible, yeah. terrible job. Unless you look at it from a financial standpoint, he had like a six X exit. He's a billionaire now multiple times over, but you know, they never won anything. So that's got to count for something in sports, right? Uh, it can't just be money. The further we move up in leadership, the more we should be showering the the praise and credibility on our people. Even if deep down you and the person that ran the ball both know that it was a team effort and that you helped them and that they couldn't have done it by themselves. Our job as leaders, particularly as we become more and more senior in leadership, is we don't need that daily praise that we needed when we were young and and doubting ourselves and low confidence. Once we've matured as a leader, we want to share the blame, but we want to really give all the credit to the rest of the team. And I found that uh, that never gets old and that people, even if they kind of know what you're doing, they appreciate that. And it shows a lot mm. of confidence and character as a senior leader. What would you, what advice would you give to that leader that's struggling to share that that victory, you know, it's the, it's the coach that gets up on the stand after the game and said, man, I coached a heck of a ball game. I did this. I, I, I versus they, 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 you know, what, what advice would you give that person or maybe some questions to ask themselves? Yeah. Because that's, that's pretty broken. Well, on the, on the sort of selfish side, I would tell them, Hey, it doesn't work. If your goal is to win the Super Bowl, you'll never get there with the team you want because they'll leave. If you've got a coach who's who's got some identity issues and some confidence issues and some insecurity issues. And we all have some, but if they can't get control of them and get past them, your A players really won't hang around for a leader who gets stuck there. They, they've kind of already hit their lid as a coach or as a leader. And so the first thing I'd tell them is that really doesn't work, doesn't get you where you want to go. But the second is I would say that you really got to spend some time alone You've got to spend some time looking at your character and your humility, maybe even meeting with somebody, but you've got to get real with yourself, maybe with another leader who is mentoring you, which I always encourage, and just talk about it. Get it out there. And just the sheer act of admitting that it's a problem is an act of humility. It's an act to say, I'm not perfect as a leader. And when you start getting real, others will start getting real. And when we get real as a leader and we begin to become humble as leaders, that's when we start attracting the A players. And that's mm -hmm. the guy they want to work for. That's the coach they want to take to the Super Bowl. And then what do we see at the Super Bowl? They put that coach up on their shoulders and the coach never once had to say, I deserve the credit for this, but they know that that coach helped them to get there. Yeah, it's almost like when you're a parent and your your kids start doing really, really well in things, you you have this immense sense of pride and joy, more so than anything you ever did, right? Like my uh I played baseball in high school, won a state championship, and at the time I thought that was amazing. I thought from an athletics perspective, could never be better than that. And all of a sudden I have a little daughter, she grows up, she's four, playing soccer for the first time. And I tell you what, her first goal. I felt more pride and joy and happiness for her and, you know, our fan. Like, it just was way better than winning that state championship, which is so crazy to think about um, until you really start looking at it, it's all about other people. Um, and when you take care of other people, it sort of works out for you. And, and I've heard you say before that you used to think that you were a 
business guy or a person that loved business or uh, loved business and, or I'm sorry, I'm messing this up. You used to say that you were a business guy that loved people, but then you realized you were a people person who loved business. Can you unpack? It yeah. seems like a slight, slight difference there, but it is a big difference. It's a 1% difference that made a big difference in my own personal life. I spent, as I mentioned, 22 years in my role and my job, my role was really to make these business units grow, to make them profitable, to align them with the company, very results driven. And I saw myself as a business guy and I felt like my secret weapon was that God had given me some natural gifts around relating to people, uh, connecting with people, developing loyalty with people. And I really felt like that's the way that it was. And that's not a bad combination, but I was listening to a speaker one day and just sort of out of nowhere, it just really hit me. I felt like really the Lord spoke to me and said, you're almost right. You're really a people guy that loves business. Mm -hmm. And man, that just floored me is that really my first love is the people. And any success I've had in business has really come from the fact that I deeply cared about the people in the business. And what I found was making money and growing a business is really not that hard if you get the people part right. And mm -hmm. um, and so when I really realized that, I've really spent the last couple of years since that moment happened kind of really looking inward and learning what that means and spending some time. It wasn't uh, immediately it wasn't an easy thing because my identity was really as a business guy. I really wanted to be known as a guy that can grow businesses and to really flip that and say, I'm really a people guy and I love business. I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not a therapist. There's a lot of things I'm not when it comes to people. Really, it's within business. It's where there's mm -hmm. a team. It's where there's something to be won or lost. There's there's some people that, that own the business and some people that don't own the business. And those that's sort of the arena that I... Uh, thrive in. So it's not people just anywhere, though I love all people, but I really love helping people in a team environment. And when I really saw myself that way, it started sort of changing some of the way I saw my future and some of the things that I might do later. Yeah. Something that came to mind right there was there's two schools of thought when it comes to hiring people within your organization. And, you know, depending on where your company's at, it, you might there's gonna be a little bit of nuance to this, but like, would you look to hire people from a leadership position and then let them hire the people below them first? Or would you, as the company owner, look to hire sort of the specialist realm and then eventually hire the leadership position to take over them as you go forward? Like, which one do you put first, the leadership team or the people team, if you had to pick? You know, I love to hire someone and let them uh, perform in the job for a while, maybe several years. I love to let them have some skin in the game and to to win some things and lose some things and get some real world experience in that position. Um, I the further you go, I sometimes you we do have to hire senior leaders and allow them to start hiring their team. But I sure do love to have a person who's actually in that role performing and then let them start hiring people to do that role because they actually know how to do the job. And when their people run into problems, they're going to be able to say, you know what? I had that same problem as well. Here's what I learned. You think you screwed up something? Listen to what I did. You're never going to believe what I did, how dumb it was. And that really helps our people that we're hiring 
uh, to sort of mm -hmm. believe in us as their leaders. Yeah, it's a little bit of that empathy to go. I've walked a mile in your shoes. I know, I know what you're facing today. I, I, I know. So when I tell you to pick up the phone and dial 100 cold calls today, back in my day we were doing 300, and it was uphill <laughs> both ways in the snow with no shoes on. So I feel your pain. <laughs> so you know, you like we talked about, it's two decades here. You, you've seen a ton in your time, and I know you're a, a consummate learner. So you would say there's still you haven't seen everything, but I would probably guess you've seen pretty much everything at this point. What's the biggest challenge facing the industry right now when it comes to people problems? I, I think the biggest challenge that I see, if we really pan out and talk about from sort of a macro level, the biggest problem that I see, Chandler, is that the pace of business is so fast now. Uh, we can spin up a business immediately. It can go from zero people to a thousand people or 10,000 people in a short period of time. And we can, we can create that so quickly and we pull that group of people together, but we didn't have the time to let that business really get its sea legs under it, to really let it build a firm foundation to, to go through some difficult things, including some, some losses along the way to really build its character, even to carry that success. And we certainly haven't given those businesses time to develop relationships, really deep relationships mm -hmm. with the people inside the business. Everywhere I go, I see the billboards and the marketing that says our people are our greatest assets. You know, you're purchasing our product, but you're purchasing our people. And then I read and I read online uh, that week, you know, that they had to lay off 5,000 people and they did it by email and you just go, ah, you know, they're, they're not getting it. And they're really putting people out there just as a, as a label. Uh, but business is moving so quickly that it is more difficult for leaders to develop what I would call deep, loyal relationships with their people. You've got to spend some time with a person to develop a relationship with them. And you've got to be around them. You've got to see them on their good days and on their bad days. You've got to see them when they're melting down and everything's gone wrong. And when they've just had their biggest uh, sale or met their biggest goal so far, you really got to walk with people to develop relationships like that. And here's what I would say is probably an ingredient that is the most difficult and maybe the most important when you're doing this is when you're working with a person in person over time and you go through some good and some bad they need to develop a sense that you've got their back and they need to develop it because you've got their back and what i find is when we just know people virtually or we've only known them for a short time and suddenly they've got a great deal of responsibility it is really difficult to develop a sense of the leader having that person's back when things go wrong and that means when it blows up and we've got to march into the CEO's office and tell him we just we just blew something up and it didn't work, that leader needs to be right there taking the responsibility with the person right beside him. And when you do that a few times, you will develop a level of trust and loyalty to where your people will run through a brick wall for you as a leader. Mm -hmm. And here's something that I've learned is if you hire an A-plus player, but you're never really able to tap into more than 60% of their talent level because they're not really bought into you or your company or your role. Mm -hmm. You're really not better off just because you hired an all-star. You're not getting all they've got. But here's something else. I've learned you can hire a B player, 
who really wants to be good and they give you 150% of everything they've got and they are candid with you. They are emotional about what's going on. They're bought into the business and you can win Super Bowls with B to B plus players that'll give you every single thing that they've got. And you can beat a team that's got A players, but they're only given 50 to 60% of what they've got. Yeah, a couple things came to my mind right there during that answer, and it's really important to hone in on them. There was a uh, a book Jim Collins wrote called Great by Choice, which I'm sure you've read. Um, And in that book, he talks about how great companies tended to have a growth target of whatever percent, let's call it 10 to 20%. And they were maniacal about if we're below 10%, we're doing everything we can to get above 10%. And if we're at approaching 20%, maybe even going over, we're not doing anything to push the gas harder to grow faster. Even though we can, even though times are good, it's boom times. Like if you were selling hand sanitizer three years ago, you were crushing. And you might've taken on some debt. You might've taken on more people than you needed to. You might've done a lot of really... Um, not great things. And all of a sudden when the boom times end, you're stuck with all this overhead that, that this current market can't actually sustain, which unfortunately I think we're seeing a lot right now. And so I love what you said at the beginning there of like, yeah, it's easy to spin up a business overnight and you can get some VC money and you could have a thousand people in, you know, six months if you wanted to, but that doesn't mean you should necessarily, you know, I, I I'm from Georgia originally. So I love the Chick-fil-A model of slow and steady over time you know, wins the race. And ultimately that's why I crashed my first business, Jack. I didn't know you and I didn't know these lessons yet. We went, there was no slow and steady back in the day, Jack. I was, I was hammered, I <laughs> hammered down pedal to the metal and it, it was a hard right turn into the, to the wall there. So, uh, you know, I'll have to get your coaching on that someday. We can de- uh, deconstruct it. I was with a business owner the other day and we were discussing this and a little bit of advice that I gave him was that, even we think that our top and bottom line should really just be the governor of our business. And there was a time where businesses grew slow enough that that wasn't a bad governor. But today it's not the only governor because we might have a top line that's growing dramatically, even a bottom line that's growing dramatically. But if those are the only two governors on our business and we don't have some governors that are down in our products, down in our customer satisfaction, our MPS score with our customers and with our internal customers, if we don't have some non-financial metrics that really tell us whether or not we're winning on the game of quality and on the game of um, accomplishing the non-financial goals in our business, if we're not careful, we'll get good enough at sales and marketing to attract more customers, but we really won't be having the impact growth that we want to have over time because we didn't slow down enough to figure out really how to have the impact that we said we wanted to have when we started the business. Yeah. It's hard to build trust too in those environments because you may have the best intention as a leader and go, Hey, I promise you we're going to do this, this, and this. And then your business is changing so much uh, because you've decided to make it change so much, not because the market did it to you that all of a sudden you've now changed the game. And a month later you're like, well, we really are doing this, this, and this now. And, and now you've, you may not be a liar, but now I can't really trust everything yeah. you said uh, going forward. And and you know this, it's all about emotional bank accounts. It's yeah. like every time I tell you I'm going to do something and I do it, I've built that trust like you were just talking about a minute ago. And so that when we have to go into that CEO's office, just like you were talking about, and I've got to, now we've got to extract some capital, you know, relationship capital, so to speak. And like, hey, we messed up here. But if you never took the time to build that stuff up and you wasted the capital on silly things That's like, right. 
you know, growing too fast and lying and, and lying on accident, really. It, it's not even on purpose. It's a it's a misunderstanding of the situation. People are looking up to you. Your people are looking up to you for guidance. They want to be led, you know, and they want to they want to trust you. They don't want to not trust you, but you give them reasons not to a lot of times. So and you know I really love that. As I looked back, I didn't know this when I was going through it, but some of my greatest moments as a leader of people were some of my worst moments as a business guy. And what I mean by that are mm-hmm. We learned some lessons about creating relationships with people that can only be learned when the business is not doing well. You can learn certain lessons when the business is growing, but there's also a few lessons that you learn when you get punched in the face by the market and things didn't work and your product didn't launch the way that you thought it would and your customers hated what you did and you missed the deadline. There's some people lessons that can only be learned in the low spots. And so I encourage leaders not to discount or overlook those times when things are going really bad. That's sometimes when the greatest bond between a leader and his key leaders that he's leading are formed because they know if you've got their back during that time and you don't abandon them and you don't jump ship and you don't fire them when they fail, that they'll stay with you during the good time and they won't leave you for $5 more an hour at another job somewhere or a perk that, uh, that you don't offer. Oh, Jack, I used to lose people for a dollar more an hour. <laughs> Five. I wish I, my ego could handle that a dollar. It was brutal. I was like, really? The, the old price of the dollar or the McDonald's dollar menu. Come on. <laughs> Would you say that's the most important lesson you've learned? over your your years leading people or is there is there another one that's even bigger than that one you know for me uh, the most important lesson that i've learned is that i believe that our people want the same thing we want and as business owners a lot of times we find ourselves we don't call it manipulation but sometimes we're trying to find hacks let's call them hacks we're trying to find a hack to get our people to love us trust us stick with us all those kinds of things and what i've learned is If you'll sit down over breakfast or coffee or in your office and spend 30 minutes with your people asking them how things are going, asking them why they're not going well, asking them what they need and what their relationship's like with their leader, and you'll be believable when they give you the answer. And you'll act, but you won't overreact. If you'll just sit down with people the way that our fathers probably did a long time ago, People want to work for leaders that they care about. They don't want to change jobs every 18 months. They really want to be around other people and other leaders that are going to make them grow. But it takes time. And sometimes it takes face-to-face time and really um, just spending time sitting down listening and not always teaching. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I love about your leadership style is it's, 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 it's simple and effective. And I think that's the best way to do things. A lot of times with technology and all the tools we have available today, I think we can overcomplicate it, but I do think tools when used well in conjunction with simple, timeless principles, like you've been talking about here, they tend to work out. So like, do you have any tools that leaders today could take away and, and lead people more effectively? You know, um, the, my tools are going to be relational. I don't have tools like technology tools. My tools that I learned that I'm shooting for are I, I want a person on my team to know I've got their back. I want them to have my back. I want to use those words. That kind of takes us out of the office a little bit. That's kind of a old school phrase that says, hey, when somebody's talking bad about me, I don't want you just to not talk bad about me. I want you to stick up for me. 
And I want to do the same for you. And we start to create this thing that says we've got each other, right? And now we're starting to work as hard as we can to be successful with each other. Trust starts to build. Loyalty starts to build. Our skill sets start to build. Our successes start to build. And now we've started to build the character with our people so that when our business is successful, then we've got the character to carry the success, to carry the wealth, because there's really not much more of a bad feeling than to go win and grow the business and then figure out we don't really have the character to carry it. And we start making really dumb mistakes. And all of a sudden we start to read books like How the Mighty Fall and we start to see businesses doing things that just don't make any sense. And it's because they didn't take the time when they were small to learn the lessons they needed to, to carry the success when they're big. It's like, uh, had I known you four years ago, I'd probably still be slinging barbecue in Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky, Jack. <laughs> so it's it's too late for me to work with you on the barbecue front, but you know, other people can work with you. So like with jackalloway.com and what you're doing post Ramsey and your, your next career here, who, who are you looking to serve and, and help and, and who can we put you on with? Well, you can find me at jackalloway.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'd love for any of your folks to follow me and engage with me there. I'm working primarily with business owners, with CEOs of businesses, and some senior leaders, but really people who have the authority, if they choose to, to make big differences in their business, cultural differences, differences at their board level, differences in key positions. I'm helping them with all things people. So it may be things we've talked about today that are sort of leadership, cultural lessons. It might be finding a key person that fits inside the culture of an existing board. It might be a founder who's hit their lid and, and doesn't really have the capacity to take the business to the next level. And we want to walk that season out appropriately. It could be underperformance. It could be any of those things, but I'm really helping leaders that the key ingredient is that they really have to be ready to make some changes. They have to have some humility to say they need help and, and they want help in order to change these things. And uh, the good news is really most of the problems we've talked about today are easily solvable if you know what to do and you do them with the right attitude. Our people mm. are, they're, they're starving for leaders that they love and trust and have confidence in that they know what they're doing. And we never have all those things all at one time, but we can have them in our character. We can work toward them. And what I've found is if you've got people, whether it's 18 people or a thousand people, and they believe in you as your leader and they believe in the leader of the organization, they love coming to work. They love giving everything all that they've got and going home tired and showing up early and staying a few minutes late. Like they love leaving it all on the field. It, we've got to reach people at a human level. And if we do that, then that makes work more fun. And all of a sudden, um, one of the, one day the work fades. I, you know, I, I left a job I loved and people that I still love and I'm still great friends with everybody at Ramsey Solutions, Dave and everyone there. They're, they're fantastic people. Some of my best friends in the world, but a season changed on me. It was time for me to go. And suddenly all the work that I did, all the sleep that I lost over the work, suddenly it's not my job anymore. The work fades. 
But the relationships with the people that I knew, the people that I walked with to their car when their season was ending, the people that I visited in the emergency room when their child had gotten hurt and they were ill, those things are never forgotten and they go way past the work that we do day to day. That's good. I can't, uh, I can't end it any better than that. I love that. Well, Jack, man, I appreciate you so much for joining me here. We'll make sure to link up to all of your different platforms there so people get in touch with you. And uh, we're going to have to have you on in a couple months for part two to, to hear what's, uh, what's next and, and what you're up to and what you're learning in the trenches with all these new business owners out here. So, sir, appreciate you for joining us today. We appreciate all you guys listening. We'll see you next week. Peace.